At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I am James Hinchcliffe. I'm Alex. Hi, Alex. Oh, Thim's here too, Hi, James. I think. Thim, are you there? Hi. I'm here. Hi, James. Let's do it. How are you doing, James? Welcome back to America, James. Yes, I was gone out of America. Uh, as you recall from our last episode, I was recording from... Uh, a table overlooking beautiful Six Mile Lake in Muskoka, Ontario, basically God's country. And do you want, place in the world. Do you want to know what's fascinating about that? Um, you were based on the smirk on your face. I feel like this is going to be bad for me. Whatever you're about to say, <laughs> not bad for you, just very interesting. So you were recording next to a lake in a in a like a in a in a cabin in kind of a rural part of northern Ontario, northern Toronto. Yes. 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 And your internet is better there than it is in the <laughs> suburbs of Indianapolis. Touche, <laughs> uh, salesman. to me. Oh, you know what? I actually went out and I bought a 100-foot Ethernet cable so I could connect my computer through Ethernet rather than through Wi-Fi. Have you done it? I haven't, well, haven't done it yet, but it's there. It I've got it. Yeah. Oh, oh cool. <laughs> Uh, That's good. So this, I, I forgot to bring this up before we recorded this, but I stumbled on something this weekend that I just want to dive into, if that's all right with you guys. Sure. Somebody I mean, on Reddit. You're not giving us much of a choice, but. Uh, you, Hemi, 392426, on Reddit, asked, how would you explain Alexander Rossi's personality? And I gotta say, fantastic responses from everyone around. Wait, what's Reddit? Remember we did an AMA on Reddit? It's like a, I don't know, how would you describe Reddit? James, do you know what that is? Or I mean, I know Twitter? what it is, but I'm very, very um, green on using it. Like, I know, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a forum site, right? Yeah, and people, like, post, post articles or questions and other people comment, and then there's subreddits based on your interests, so there's an IndyCar subreddit, and I, I keep an eye on it. But, uh, yeah, I think so that's... Here's, here's the good news, Alex. Someone, is asked, that, someone asked the forum website about me? Yeah, somebody asked yeah, the IndyCar subreddit how they would describe your personality. This is oh. the good news. They are they are fans enough to just want to just like talk about you and your personality. That's a big thing. What, what did they say? My <laughs> all time favorite is from uh, Cody DW12. He's a dick, but he's our dick. I that's uh, okay. I mean, I feel like that's a little unfair, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was like complimentative of you. Yeah, it's, 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 he's trying to be complimentary, I think, is the word that Finn was trying to use there instead of I mean, complimentative. I mean, d- dick is harsh. Okay. Well, somebody okay, did fair. say they can't stand the guy, but in fairness, that was me. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. makes sense. Yeah, Part-time okay. friend. <clears throat> to which somebody immediately not, responded, not no one cares what you think, Tim. Oh, there you go. So not These only are... are they posting about me on, on the, the forum website, but they're fans of Off Track enough to know that Tim's an idiot. Yeah, apparently exactly. they listen to us and don't like me. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... They listen to us, not okay. for you. Let's let's put it Somebody that way. Somebody said, right, "Reminds guys. me of Paul Tracy, but Rossi actually won the race." <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh boy! Oh man, that's a that's a, you're talking to. You've got a Canadian on the line here. That's a sensitive subject. I mean, I and I also feel like Paul did win. So yeah, I'm, no, Paul I, did win yeah, that race. I think I made that clear last episode. Uh, he Anyways, can insult okay. you just by looking at you. That's another good one. That was a uh, Warren Cluck. I like that actually. That's actually a that's actually a tough thing to accomplish. So like, well done. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of that. Did anyone say anything nice? Oh, like <laughs> I thought these I thought these <laughs> were the nice position ones. and always happy go lucky. <laughs> yeah, no, but just like oh, I've actually met him in person. He's actually a really nice guy, and like we had a good chat. Is there any of those? Funny you should mention it. No. so alex i've i've never reddited before but i'm gonna track this down i'm gonna get on there and i'm gonna make sure that people know that you are a nice guy when you're not insulting people with a single look okay so somebody said you're cerebral you seem like you study the sport like an academic that's i mean that's nice that's he nice. studies everything like an ap- academic. Let me let me tell you. Yes. Let me tell you how today we realized. Yeah. Okay, so here's something I love about Alex. So Alex, he does nothing half-assed. He is 100% on whatever he commits to doing. Be that indie car racing, being a bourbon aficionado, uh, more recently, he took up uh, pool chemistry, which he mastered in about 48 hours. And when I mean he mastered it, I mean he was using chemistry terms and new things about how to balance water in a pool way more in-depth than any pool person I've ever spoken to or, or heard from or anything he did like 48 hours straight research. He was testing his pH levels at 4.30 in the morning to make sure they were right. And so he, he really gets into these things. So that was the latest one. Until this morning, I go to the gym and I've been gone for a week. And I learned that in the last week, he's over or he's, he's, he's moved on from pool chemistry because he's perfected it. He's literally aced pool chemistry. <laughs> And he's he he attended he attended a a uh, a socially responsible distant gathering uh, distanted gathering of less than ten people last weekend, where they served brisket that was made on a smoker, and I, I assume was just overwhelmed with the process and the flavor and Wait, everything you involved. Got, you've gotten really into smoking meat. Yes, he oh, is now an I expert. He bought a smoker, now. and now he's gone through an entire. He's done his first official. Well, I'll let you tell. I'll let you tell everybody how your first brisket <laughs> turned out. So here's the thing about me that you're kind of touching on. So like, I will not sleep because I get so in depth with um, reading and trying to understand, and then just. You know, going through all the potential victories and failures of said process and such. Um, so basically, I went to a barbecue, had a brisket. It was really good. I was like, how'd you make that? They were like, oh, we smoked it and blah, blah, blah. So I proceeded then to go the next day and buy a smoker. <laughs> 
and then um, <laughs> proceeded to you know learn about how to to make said brisket. And here's the thing about brisket: like it's a very unique piece of meat. You know, it's um, it's not the most sought after piece of a cow. Uh, it's, it's it's usually quite tough. And a lot and very sinewy it can be, and it's kind of made up of two points. You got the flat and the point. We're and seeing what he read fl- right now, right? <laughs> like this is what you went well, through. Based, no, this is this is common. Yeah, he, common. He's knowledge. already he's using words and terms related to brisket okay, that I've never heard. Basically, before. basically, it's it's like the hardest piece of, of barbecue. To yes. Perfect, yeah, yeah. Right. And and yeah. and um, Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas, is like known for their brisket because they just kind of take it to another level. So, anyways. So I, I get trying to read about this and, and understanding it. And keep in mind, I've already spent a hefty amount of money on this smoker. Well, what I didn't realize is all of the then kind of accoutrements that you need to smoke a brisket well. Everything from like butcher paper to celery seed root to like different types of thermometers for different points in the cook to different types of wood pellets in for different points in the cook to get a different rendering of, of smoke James. flavor and, and all of this stuff yes Tim. james i feel like you're probably having a similar problem that i am right now i desperately want to make fun of him but i also really want to try this brisket yeah <laughs> like, definitely like i'm definitely not going to make him blacklist me from the brisket <laughs> no so i'm just I like, sitting so... here silently and i'm impressed i love i love when alex gets on a new thing because it means that i get to learn in like 10 minutes what it took him a week to learn well and the other thing is have you ever had food at Alex's that is not good? Like, mm. he was already a really good cook. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Teddy's ringing the bell. He wants to get out. I'm just, like, I'm, in my heart, I, mean, you I never want run to out of food here. <laughs> is that a shot? Is that a shot at me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one time. One time. One and a half times. But, well, the other problem is you don't eat like a normal person. So when we had you and Kelly over. Why can't people talk Kelly about that on Reddit? But well, how about you don't eat like a regular person? Yeah, why can't that be a compliment? Like, oh, Alex is, is kind of mean, but at least he can eat really well. <laughs> is that a compliment, I guess? Would you like me to add that on Reddit? I'll go add that right now. <laughs> it's actually weird to me that in all the all the research you've done on all these different topics, you've never tripped over Reddit. I feel like there's a lot of that kind of info. I bet there's a whole barbecue brisket section on Reddit that would blow your mind. But wait. Well, I mean, now I know what I'm never, doing tonight. I was going to say, <laughs> you didn't finish your story. So so you, there's it's the flat the, and well, the point. It's the best Redditor by tomorrow morning, by the way. I don't so, know so it doesn't, it doesn't, so, so yes, there's, there's this type of meat anyways, but there's one part of it that cooks the flat, which is not very fatty, cooks way quicker than the point, right? So you have to cook this at, at like 190 degrees for eight to 11 hours. Right, depending on the ambient temperature and the humidity and everything you're, you're kind of dealing with, right? And then you actually wrap the piece of meat, and then you bump it up to like 250 degrees and let it go for another like seven hours, and then you pull it out and you put it in a like cooler without any ice or anything, just a sealed cooler to let it rest for another like two and a half hours. So this is like a like a 20 plus hour process, excluding prep time. So I started, I started this at 11 p.m. on a Thursday night to be ready for a, a 7 p.m. dinner on Friday. And what's crazy about it is you don't know if it's going well until you've 
gotten to the point where it's time to cut it up and serve it to like people you have over and it's either going to be you're in the ballpark or you've massively screwed it up and you've made beef jerky right there's no like indication <laughs> of how it's going until it's actually time to serve the, the meal so um <clears throat> i was kind of stressing out so that afternoon i went to the store and bought burgers and buns uh just in case it, it went sideways that being said it didn't it was okay it wasn't great it was edible um, and here we are. It's my new hobby. Thanks for uh, talking about it, guys. It's that, uh, you know, maybe I'll have a, a new hobby every week that we can talk about on the show. So if you're a listener and you're a Redditor and you have any uh, smoking brisket tips for Alexander Rossi, please jump on Reddit and and tell him he everything. Will, he will definitely be on it by the end of tonight. He will 100%. I don't think you can win Reddit, but I think he's going to win Reddit. He'll find a way to win Reddit. (laughs) He'll find a way to do that. And that's, uh, I mean, it would have been nice of you to, you know, smoke a brisket for Becky and I's one year anniversary, which we celebrated yesterday. But that's cool. Whatever. No big deal. Uh, We like brisket. By the way, happy anniversary. I'm glad I could uh, pinch hit for you in the LCQ league. Oh my god! Yeah, can we <laughs> talk about how I mean, you got I'd rather not talk about it to participate in that? I I sent it out as a joke. I was just like half an hour beforehand. I was like, oh, I'll pinch hit for for Hinch, and then uh, Alex, your assistant Liza, texted me and was just like, hey, if you want to do this, it starts in like twenty minutes. And uh, yeah, I was as bad as I warned her that I would be. I got DFL every race. But well, I mean, to be fair, you've never sat in a race car compared <laughs> to the other people that are very experienced motorsports professionals. So in the first race, I will say I outqualified Travis and Connor. Now, Connor had an issue with the steering wheel and didn't set a time. Travis set a time. I just legitimately outqualified him. I, I really wish I hadn't known that. I mean... Yeah, that's yeah. So Tim, all right, let's let's talk about something for for a second. I think everyone on or that listens to this podcast, you know, obviously is a racing fan, has a lot of appreciation for for racing and and what um, racing drivers go through as as athletes and competitors and everything. But I've learned something through this kind of quarantine process that's been very interesting to me is even people who are involved in the sport as corporations from a sponsorship standpoint and a marketing standpoint, I don't think really grasp how challenging something even as simple as ultimately a video game, even though it's a a simulation, A, a video game is for the average person that doesn't have any racing background. And what I'm talking about is, is James and I, you know, participated in this, um, this series uh, that was based around PlayStation and Gran Turismo called Red Bull Home Stretch, And it was this awesome idea to kind of get some of the Red Bull athletes together and, and plus James and I, which was <laughs> but great, um, to, to kind of race every Wednesday and stream us playing Gran Turismo against each other. And in, in doing that, they invited some of their like other athletes from other sports, whether it be basketball or skateboarding or, or what have you, soccer. And all of them were like, oh, well, I've, I've played video games before. Like, it'll be fine. And the level of like, 
or I guess the gap that they had, not because they aren't capable and not because they couldn't get it around, but the gap that they had in performance, even on a pure video game, because they didn't have any racing knowledge, was huge. And it's fascinating to me that, like, even to this day, people still struggle to understand that, like, it's actually fairly difficult to drive a car. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and like, iRacing has to be a hundred times easier than what you guys actually do. And it's still absurdly hard. <laughs> like, it's... I did okay on the first track that we did because it was NASCAR trucks at the Vegas Oval. But, like, do, I couldn't... It took me, like, a week before I could do a lap in an Indy car. And what do you think... What do you, what do you think, like, the biggest thing that you've learned how to do is? Like, from when you couldn't do a single lap at Indianapolis in an Indy car to now being able to, like, actually have somewhat of a race with your friends, like, what do you think the biggest gain you've made is? Well, I think it's because people think of, of driving a race car, like, okay, uh, James, I've heard you sum this up before. People think of, like, okay, I, I see somebody running when they're playing football, and I know how fast I run, so I can have a comparison to see how much faster that person is than me. For driving, right. they think of driving like it is your normal car. You know, like you have you have cruise control, you have full control of your car, you're you're doing single foot for braking and you have acceleration. Power steering, you have yeah. ABS, you yeah, have, you have no all these relative horsepower, lots of, you know, weight, you know, all these things that make it easy. And you're not trying to drive at the limit either. Even driving a road car at the limit is a lot harder than people yeah, think, but that's correct. not what you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm slowing way down for the turns cuz I don't really care if I get if I'm, you know, a minute late to my destination. I I've, I've planned it out and there's traffic. Um, just, just realizing that it, it is a completely different animal that, that you'll, you'll hear people talk about, oh, there's no power steering in any car and, oh, it takes this much weight to turn the wheel and all that. But that, that, I guess it, that doesn't really click. So even Comparing, though, they, but do you think, do you think the biggest thing came from like your, your eyes kind of adapting to what you're doing or like training your, your your kind of muscle fibers to, to react in a slower way? Like, what do you think the biggest thing that you've gotten good at is? Or just a general understanding of... of I think it's more like a general... Geometry in a racing line. I think it's more just a general understanding of, of how, basically, how to turn, right? And so, as, as silly as that sounds, like in a streetcar, I make a turn, I turn the wheel, and then I'm done, and I can go straight. In an IndyCar, you have to keep turning it. You have to, you have to keep going yeah. through the entirety of the stuff. You're fighting it the whole way through. And again racing is so much easier than what you guys actually do and it's still that's a really good that's a really interesting tidbit and it's what you just said it's what i was looking for and it's something that we take for granted right in a road car you turn and then you unwind and you go straight whereas in a race car you're constantly having to do something to point the car in in a direction whether it be to get through a corner to prepare for another corner um, to get to a certain part of the racetrack where there's more grip or whatever, like you're constantly having to do something. Whereas in a road car, there's a lot of time where you're kind of just stationary and not doing anything. You're kind of yeah, just I mean, sitting there. I don't know if you guys have this because you treat di driving differently, but I, I know it's pretty common. You'll, you're driving and then you're, you'll suddenly realize you've arrived at your destination. <laughs> it's just like in a road car, you can just so often zone out while you're driving and still get there completely right. safe like because so much of it is just, you know, you're, you're basically on autopilot. Like, so when people compare the two, it's just, I think that's where so it comes from. For me, for me, I feel like the, 
I mean, there's no good comparison, but one of the best ones I can come up with just sitting here is like to say that, you know, to compare driving a road car to a race car would be to say that like, yeah, as long as you make contact with the head of a club and a golf ball, that's golfing, right? So like the worst, <laughs> yeah. the worst golfer in the world can at least make contact with the ball. The ball might go four yards. It might go 60 yards and shank off to the side. Like, But to be a 310 yards straight down the fairway consistent hitter, that's a completely different realm of the sport, right? So if you're driving a road car, you are hitting the ball three yards outside the tee box. That's the comparison, you know? It's that much harder to get it to that 300-yard yeah. line uh, in a straight line. Uh, that's what the jump is, driving a road car, driving an Indy car. I mean, it's it's like it's it's putt-putt versus the PGA. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that was a probably better way to say it. Some people have a way words. with words, James. Others not Others have not way. Others not have way. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> um, okay, so, well, I mean, that's that's... That's good. I mean, it's good to, to kind of hear your perspective of it because there's not many people that come from zero racing background that actually participate in iRacing against, you know, Travis Pastrana and Chad Reed and Connor Daly and Ed Carpenter of sorts. So um, I definitely want cool to keep doing it, by Tim, the way. Don't get, don't get used to it. It'll never happen again. <laughs> I'm definitely coming back I next know, week. I'm, if, I'm, if I'm hooked. I'll, I'll, I'll miss my anniversary next week just to not have to let you race again. <laughs> I had Wait, a black. You have another anniversary? I say sorry. I would miss my anniversary if it was if I, you know just to not. Uh, I I what I did like the most about it is so twenty minutes before the race, Liza texts me. She asks if I want to get in. I get in the group chat. No less than thirty seconds after the checkered flag was I removed from that group chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I hadn't noticed that. That's awesome. I was going to send out a text. I was just going to say, hey, guys, thanks for letting me do this. This was a lot of fun. You know, I had a blast. Already out. It was just you left the conversation. It was like, that's fu- that's a funny way to put it. I didn't leave that's, the conversation. The best part is I, I immediately got into the group chat and said, man, it was like really nice you guys to let Tim join for the night. He didn't even thank everybody. <laughs> Which is even worse because you're the one that removed me from the group chat. Correct. (laughs) Hey guys, remember we're starting a new segment about fan stories from the Indianapolis 500. And so if you have a cool story, uh, a cool experience, anything that's happened to you, it could have ended well. It couldn't have ended maybe not so great. Doesn't matter. Just an awesome story about your time at the Indy 500. Please reach out to us and let us hear it. The email is offtrackstories at gmail.com. That's offtrackstories at gmail.com. Please email us with your great fan stories from your time at the Indy 500. So speaking of racing. Sorry? We got... Said speaking of motorsports and IndyCar and driving Indy cars, we I got some attention. news Was there today. Some news? Yeah, some stuff came out today that is really upsetting. Two days ago. Well, look, we released you, this. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's, yeah, it came out a couple days ago, I guess now. But and you're right, Alex. It is very upsetting. 
but you have to you have to take a glass half full approach to this. So the news, of course, is that the Indy Five Hundred is now being run with full. no <laughs> with no fans. We well, had been at twenty five percent heading into this week, uh, but just with the state of affairs in the world, et cetera, et cetera, we all know the deal. Uh, the decision was made. The decision was made. You know, there's there's no two ways around it that the race is going to run without fans, which is it's obviously massively disappointing and very upsetting for a lot of reasons for a lot of people. Uh, but the silver lining is, Alex, we are still able to go put this race on. And it's it won't be the same. We talked about this last week. We talked about what would happen if this was the case. Is this even the one you'd want to win? Tim argued that, yes, because it's going to be more memorable. We thought, man, it'd almost be better if a previous winner had won it just because you're not missing out on all those special experiences. And now that's our reality. We're in a position where... Whoever wins this race is going to be winning the most bizarre Indy 500 in history. Even through the Depression, fans were allowed, fans were there. So this is going you're, to be you're, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You're absolutely right. It's, it is a huge blessing that we're able to, to do this event. Um, ultimately, I think... There's no, I, I agree a lot with what, you know, IMS and, and the series and everyone said in the, in the sense that there's no guarantee that in October, anything, which was their backup date, that anything's going to be any and that And that's just it, right? That, that's my, that's the silver lining is that we're still going racing. We still got to do the Indy 500. It did, it did still, it is, it did feel like a gut punch. I mean, I totally no, it, understand. It, it, it is, it is a gut punch. And I tell you what. We talk, we've kind of touched on this topic in the past, like how, how it's kind of weird to not have fans, like when, when we did Texas and the Indy GP, like it was weird not to have fans, but you didn't really, you didn't really notice it because ultimately we're not a stadium sport. So when you get right. in the car, you, you kind of, you block all that out anyways, and you don't realize it. The, the one exception to that is the Indy 500 and You're is right. Indianapolis. And everything about that event. So as much as, you know, when you strap in the car and, you know, you're, you're fully focused on winning what is still the most important race of the year. And, and ultimately, um, you know, the most famous race in motorsports, those like warm up laps that you usually take a moment to kind of wave to the fans and take it all in. And you see the balloons getting released kind of through turn three and all of the just stuff happening like it's gonna suck yeah like it's really gonna and when the green flag flies it, it, it becomes irrelevant you're not gonna realize it until the race is over but but those that those kind of two minutes that you have in the build-up and in, in, in the parade and formation laps um that's gonna be i think when it really hits everyone it's like wow this is a a really unfortunate situation that we're all in and, and really hope that it never ever happens again because yeah i i had i did an interview earlier today and and i had the it was the exact same point it was you know we're not a traditional arena sport stadium sport we don't kind of while we're competing you know while we're on we're not able to draw off the energy of the crowd because you're not focus on the crowd you can barely notice the crowds there 
But for Indy, you know, you spend two weeks there and you like you live there. We we literally live in the track. We almost we rarely leave the track for two weeks. And you do thousands of laps around the place in that time, and it's it's relatively empty the entire time. You've got a crowd on qualifying day, you've got a crowd on carb day, but even a hundred thousand people, the place looks empty. You know, it's so big. And the only time that we get to see, you know, all four corners of the track littered with people are those parade laps. And they are, they're so unique and they're so special. You know, it starts with the driver intros. You walk up over the stage and you got the whole front straight there, absolutely packed to the hilt for the first time. The grid's packed, cars are on the track, all that stuff. And then all the way up to the, through the, through the parade laps, heading up to the start. It's just one of the most incredible things ever. So like you say, from the green flag to the checkered flag, it's kind of a moot point, but man, it is going to make such a huge difference those first couple laps. It's, it's the coolest thing in the world. It's what I tell everyone. It's like, oh, what do you remember the most about 2016? It's like, well, I mean, obviously winning, but then all, this, the second most memorable memory and my second favorite memory was doing the pre-event stuff for the first time. And it's um, to this to this day, like going through that process is the best is the best part of the entire race, unless you're you're actually winning it. So, um, yeah, weird. That brings up a, a question I have for you, James. So, like you mentioned, we lived there for two weeks. Now that there's no traffic, are you gonna go home? Are you gonna stay in a bus still? Like, what are you? What are you gonna do, Alex? I had not even thought about that. That right? is a crazy point that I had not thought about. I feel like you have to still do it, though, just to get into the mindset, right? Well, so so that's the really, thing, right? I so, stay at home for the NDGP. Like, I never stayed in the bus. See, I don't. I I find that, like, the bus is the place where I get into race mode. And, like, when I'm at home... I'll like end up just going down to the basement and watching Netflix at night because that's just what you do at home, you know? And I feel like I feel like there might be other distractions as well at home. Now, in my case, I mean, I'm I because I'm not doing the full season, I don't have a bus bus anymore. Like I don't have my own bus, so I'm renting one. So if if we haven't made it comfortable and it doesn't feel like a space that I can get a good night's sleep in or whatever, I might be tempted to spend more nights at home. But well, well, usually your family comes question, and stays though. at your place too for the month of May. So, I mean, do you have family coming in or? Well, to to do what to to yeah, stare at point. the TV screen? I mean, they're gonna watch. I mean, my my parents weren't gonna come down anyway. My family wasn't gonna come down anyway. They're not super hot on traveling at the minute, and uh, that was that was never really. I think you know Becky and I were gonna have the house to ourselves for the first time for the first right, anyway. Fine, I'll come keep you guys company. <laughs> I mean, Alex if you want to come dog sit, that'd be great. I mean, because you're not allowed <laughs> to the track, because as we all know, you're not a central. And actually, so crazy story, just like total sidebar, but life note. So Becky's been up in Canada filming a movie, right? And this, this she started this movie back in March before everything shut down. The production shut down when, when COVID really blew up. And they started filming again about a month ago. So she was up in Canada she had to go up two weeks early, uh, quarantine for two weeks before she's allowed on set. Then she filmed for about two weeks. I went up and stayed with her and we did uh, a little bit of week vacation once she wrapped. We got home on Mon- uh, Sunday night and then Monday night we're sitting in the basement, which was our anniversary. We're sitting in the basement watching a movie 
and she gets a call from her uh, agent saying, hey, we might need you to jump on a plane tomorrow to head back up to Canada to quarantine for two weeks because there's another movie starting in two weeks that they want you for. And it's like, man, that's awesome that she's getting that much work, though. Well, 100%. I mean, obviously, there's like, it's great that those opportunities are coming. Yeah, Tim, you like, will know what that's like in the film business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, neither would I right now. So, I, I mean, one of us has to work, babe. Come on. But so that the, the official call hasn't been made yet, but there's a, there's a possibility that she's going to have to jump back up to Canada and, uh, and do it all again. So it's, uh, yeah, COVID, COVID has a crazy effect on things. But what I'm saying, Tim, so, is that she might miss the Indy 500, so I might need you to stay here and dog sit. <laughs> so, so for me, like, I, I only ever really stayed on kind of carb day, well, probably Thursday night through Saturday night. I wasn't the one, one of the guys that moved in for like the whole, the whole you know, month, like Connor, for example, which this has thrown his world for a loop, as you can imagine, because the month of May in the bus lot was his was his like golden hour. And now the fact that there's no <laughs> yeah, that was that was Connor's raison d'etre. That <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but but regardless, like I think I'm just gonna go home because like for me for me I'm not the type of like I get what you're saying 100 percent James like you. You fall into that routine. You kind of eat the same meal. You kind of have the same ambiance, and you go to the bed at the same time. It's, it's just your morning routine's the same. Like, I, right? I get it, and like I'm debating it. Like I, you know what? I, I should do that. Too. No, you. I mean, you might. You might be right too. I, I haven't actually thought that much about it. I wonder if, like, during a practice week, we kind of try both ways and see what feels normal. Well, I always went home during the practice week. Yeah, see, I did, and I stayed there. I would go, basically, if I was on track the next day, I would be in the bus. I'd go home, like, after our Monday practice until Thursday. I'd spend, like, two nights at home. But if I'm on track the next day, I wanted to be at the track because that's when I felt like I was in the right, you know, I was in that headspace. practice starts at noon now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I this actually, the whole thing brings up a different question I was going to talk about last week, and then we ran out of time. Uh, I was I saw the restrictions before they announced that that they were cutting it even further, but kind of getting to to what you guys consider essential or what you consider important at the track. So originally it was going to be you know the teams had to designate who's essential, and obviously it's your pit crew, your engineers, people like that. But if if you had to pick one person who who is not working on the car, who's not you know not doing your tires, not not working on your engine, but just one person that you would say you need or the the person that you want the most to be at the track. Do you have somebody else who you would consider essential to your race day? I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate because Andretti Autosport has kind of allowed Liza, who's, who's kind of my everything track side to, to kind of be part of the crew. So she's not, she wouldn't be like my, my plus one anyway. So it's, I, I'm fortunate that they see her in that light and, and she has a very good relationship with all of the 27 guys and, um, all the management at, in the team. So it was easy for them to kind of make her as a part of, of a car crew. But aside from that, I mean, for me, it's, it's hand down is my dad. Um, just cause he's been there. He's been there since day one. Right. So like before every time I've gotten into a race, whether it be when I was 10 years old in a go-kart to 
you know, my first race in Europe to my first IndyCar race, it's, it's, he's kind of been the last person I talked to before I got in the car. So, um, that's easy for me. It's definitely, definitely the old man. That's a really hard answer to make fun of. I was hoping there'd be what something. What about you, there. James? <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna say you, Tim. <laughs> I thought your your most important person's also Alex's no. dad. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's a good guy. I bet, I bet people on Reddit so would like have to qualify on the front row. The and, bar is pretty low on that, Alex. Uh, <laughs> according to Reddit, so. No, you know, for me, um, for me, I, you know, I, I'd obviously want, I'd want Becky there. Um, Who? She, she plays a big part in my day, <laughs> regardless of, uh, <laughs> that's my wife. That's still Alex. going on? Um, yeah, no, it's, hey, Alex, so, uh, remind me, I owe day, you five dollars. Going strong. <laughs> oh, man, it's fine. I, I owe somebody 10. Um... <laughs> Who, so, uh, but no, I mean, you know, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I mean, she, like I said, she's, she's a huge part of, of, you know, me being in the right headspace and, and getting ready and, and just kind of being prepared for everything that, that comes. And if, uh, if she happens to have to be, you know, working over it this year, it's going to be super sad not having her there. But, uh, that means technically, Tim, there'll be an opening, and um, I will be uh, I will be accepting bribes <laughs> for that. Spot. I, I would pay you, but I, I got to send this five to Alex. That's what's, fair. What's the the only thing that I ask of of you, Tim, throughout this situation is that at least when you know I'm on the grid, could you please Facetime me? And oh give yeah, me a little you bit need of advice. Yeah, you need you need. I I like James. I don't know if you know this. I I give Alex advice right before he gets in the car every time. And, and uh, I don't want to toot my own heart, but I, I, I think it's been pretty essential to your success. I mean, every time you've done it, we've done pretty good. Wendy's <laughs> been pretty good to us. So, yeah, I, I would appreciate if you could do it again. Ha, yeah. Had you not listened to me in 2016, you would have lost. True. So. Yeah. Uh, so, Tim, did you, like, lose my number? Oh, or? You, you're, you're not. You, no. I mean, do we tell him what the advice was, or you can? Yeah, it's it's long enough removed now. It's okay, and so, you come up with something different every year. So, so before before getting getting into the car in 2016, I came up to Alex. We shook hands, did the double tap, you know, hug on the back, and I just said, "Hey, um, whatever you do, don't turn right." <laughs> That's um. That's not great advice, because then he never would have hey, gotten it. Hey, maybe you should have listened to it in practice so in 2015, James. Yep, maybe you should have listened to <laughs> uh, it. I didn't turn right. I went straight. <laughs> very yeah, but when you go straight and the, and the road goes left, it's kind of like turning right. I'll never forget. I'll never <laughs> you forget. You didn't say don't <laughs> go straight. In Belgium, in a car, driving back to the hotel. And my teammates were like, oh, check out this crash from Indy. <laughs> and I was like, that guy sucks. Why did he stop turning? <laughs> like, man, that James guy. Uh, can't believe he made it. <laughs> we'll get you next time. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, less than a year later, you were like, oh, wait, uh, this oval starts harder than I difficult. thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I mean, I still would not turn left, but okay. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, this is hard. He's still an idiot, but this is hard. Oh, GTs, GTs. <laughs> yeah, it's harder than I thought. That was still dumb. He shouldn't have done that, which I openly admit I probably should have turned more left. <laughs> yeah. Next time. Well... Next, well, I'd rather there wasn't one of those. <laughs> Good point. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad we're at the point we can laugh yeah. at James almost dying. To be fair, yeah. I was at that point later that I night. I feel like you were at that point the next day. Yeah. You <laughs> was at that point that evening. I was making jokes that night in the hospital, but James wasn't awake. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, I was super in a medically induced coma, but thanks. I do. Think, uh, I do remember you making fun of Marco that night. That is true. He, that you is had true. to write it down. I did do that. Yes, you did. The joke I made. No, the joke I made was. You know, Marco has this. Has had. He's. He's not. He's not as. Uh, he's not as active on it as he was. But he had this thing about on his like Instagram posting every time he was always running and he would always run 5Ks. And he was always talking about running 5Ks. And it was like this running joke, you know, in the friend group for a while about Marco running 5Ks. And so, you know, he's standing next. He's And I mean, again, I, I make fun of I make fun of this because he was like the first guy at the hospital and like the first person we, I saw. We did get dinner and, beforehand. Uh, I want to clarify to that. We didn't go straight to the hospital. We went to Fogo to Chow and well, then we're like, all right, let's go pop in. Yeah, I... <laughs> I was in surgery, so he wouldn't have been able to see me anyway. Uh, but, but yeah, and so I, I was, you know, I, I couldn't talk. I had a tube down my throat, so I was writing with a pen and piece of paper. And uh, I said, don't worry, bro. I'll be up running 5Ks in no time. And he looks at the doctor. He goes, he's fine. And he turned around and walked out of the room. He still has that piece of paper. He does. He does have that piece of paper. That's true. It was when I asked what happened and, and all that stuff. It's kind of it's kind of cool, actually. Well, guys, um, a lot has transpired since uh, our episode last week. Um, so here's hoping um, that nothing really transpires before our episode next week. And we don't have a lot to talk about because, quite frankly, um, I think any more news of scalable magnitude um, is not going to be super great. So... Um, as always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in, listening to us talk about nonsense in a barely coherent manner. Uh, we appreciate you putting up with them um, and kind of helping us get through that because trust us, it is very difficult. And every time I see the group text pop up that is Tim D to James Hinchcliffe and myself, I get a headache and a rotten pit in my stomach. Uh, but nonetheless, here we are. And that's and, what makes um, it all worthwhile. That is true. <laughs> I got to say, I was really hoping this episode was going to go a little bit longer because this is dinner tonight I'm really trying to get out of. But I guess I got to. Hey, gotta James, I'll see you in uh, 37 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you in 37 months. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. 
Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Finn. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.